Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, with my co-host, Zim. Who they, Zim? Say what's up. Hello, world. How y'all doing? Live Q&A tonight. How's everybody feeling? How you feeling, Ace? You got anything that you've been sitting there just stewing and brewing that you just want to lead out the show and tell everybody with? Besides, thank Yeah, you I, think, I think before... And, and you guys don't know this, but before we always come on, me and Zim have conversations. Even after we end this, the streams, we always have conversations. We talk to each other all the time, uh, whether it's on the phone or not. But we were just talking about certain things and, and certain concepts. And we were talking about Joe Burrow. And I was kind of talking about, and you guys in the comments let me know what your thoughts were. But I watched the interview with Joe Burrow today and took away a couple of things. But the most notable thing that I took away is that it seems like Joe Burrow, and correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, like I said, this is just the way that I took it. It's, it's just my point of view. It seemed like he was kind of subliminally calling out certain players that may not practice as hard, may not play as hard, and basically said, if you're not going to play hard, then you know, you're not going to play. So we were trying to wonder who exactly that that could be directed to. Uh, but we were talking about this concept that Zim is going to go ahead and introduce to you guys. Um, and also the chat is open for any Q and A's. So uh, be able, it seems like I am JL agrees. It seemed, yeah, it seemed to me that, that Joe Burrow called somebody out, but we are doing a Q and A. So if you guys do want us to answer some questions, definitely leave them in Zim's comments. Hey, and as I'm talking to Ace, if you got something that you just want me to go back on, I'm just let me know which ones and I'm going to go back on it. But I appreciate everybody for checking us out tonight. Please make sure you subscribe to Ace's channel is New Stripe City. Currently, right now, we're doing this from mine tonight. This is Zim Hude. So if you're listening to this on the uh, podcast, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Apple, please check us out on YouTube as well. Um, but the concept that I was saying, I had... Uh, I, I don't know. I was just driving in my in a car the other day, uh, and I also was driving today. My wife owns a BMW. She's had a Benz. She's had a lot of good cars. I've had a lot of expensive cars too. When I go to the shop to go get maintenance and different things like that on the car, when I bought these cars, I understood that I will have a lot of maintenance with it, and because of it. I don't really aspire to have like a fancy car or really, really nice car. I have a really nice pickup truck now. Like, and I have another backup car that I think is really nice. It gets me where I want to go. But I always revert back to like my younger days when I did want really, really fast cars when, it, when I talk about sports. But when I got those cars, I knew that the what comes with it is a higher, uh, you know, amount of money that I'm going to spend on a monthly basis on a monthly basis but on top of that I have to spend money on the maintenance to make sure that everything's running on all cylinders and some people are ready for that and some people aren't when my wife goes to the thing she's blown away when they give her like a uh, invoice for like $1200 for something like brakes me I bought that car knowing that the maintenance on whatever I did when I had a Mazi or whatever I'm not saying this to try to whatever I'm just giving you inside my mind when I bought that car, I understood that there's going to be some things that I got to do that other people might not like or things that I might not like. And that's the price tag that comes with getting stuff like that. To me, I bring this up because John Ross represents that. It's collectively, I think because of perceptions and because of maintenance, it's, I have a theory that Bengals fans don't like fast cars. And when I say fast cars, I'm talking about on the football field. And I'm not talking about John Ross's speed. I'm just saying, ultimately, they don't want the maintenance with it. Players like a OBJ or Antonio, Antonio Brown, if I'm the coach, or if in this instance, I made the tweet, I said, I hope uh, Antonio Brown doesn't go to the Ravens. A guy told me, like, you crazy? He's going to go to the Ravens and he's going to be trash. I said, are you serious? This dude is a Hall of Famer and he's lit. He's amazing. But the average fan probably thinks that because when you go, it's so much stuff, so much side stuff. And the, and most football fans just want to play football. They don't want to hear about no off the stuff, off the field stuff, no maintenance. Don't want to hear about no head cases, anything like that. For me, if I have good coaching in place, if I have people around him that are going to work with him, the same way people work with my ass. You know, like y'all, y'all talking to Zim Hude now. Like y'all don't know me 
10 years ago, like, you know what I'm saying? Nobody would have ever thought I'd be right here, right? But people were around me that were smart enough to point me in the right direction, you know, like to show me the proper way to carry guns instead of, you know what I'm saying, the way that I might have done it before or whatever, you know what I'm saying? All these different factors that people get in trouble for. If you could put these players around the right people, then it would work. No, OBJ wouldn't work here, and no, Antonio Brown wouldn't work here because they don't have the stability in any in other things like that to work around it. And also, the front office doesn't want Ferraris because they don't want the maintenance, they don't want the PR, they don't want nothing with it. There are coaches in place like Mike Tomlin's of the world and Harbaugh's of the world that I think can handle any type of personality, and that's why I think Antonio Brown still will go and kill. I don't want him to go to Ravens. I think the average fan looks at OBJ and says, "Ah, I mean, he's a crybaby." No, he's passionate. He's me on the field. Like the crazy outtakes that y'all see from me on a week-to-week basis. Imagine if OBJ was in front of a computer, he'd be screaming and yelling just like me, cursing people out, uh, doing whatever. That's all it is. It's just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of passion. But the average fan from Ohio doesn't have aspirations of driving Ferrari. That's just, you know, that's the easy way to put it. So I always get into this back and forth where you got to build up stability and you got to whatever. The difference is I'm smart enough to know that I'm I'm not the smartest person in the room sometimes and I'm not, I don't know everything. So I'm willing to take your ideas. I'm willing to take your ideas. I'm willing to take your ideas. If you say we need some big boys up front to make sure that my garage is straight, to make sure that my Ferrari don't get scratched, if you got a mechanic over there that know how to work on this or whatever, then I'm going to say bring them on. Some people sometimes are in the way and they don't allow that to happen. Sometimes players get in bad situations where they don't have good mechanics around them. If you put good mechanics around some of these cars, they work. AJ Green, two weeks ago, was a Ferrari that's been running crazy for six, seven years. And then he finally had some blown tires and stuff for two years and everybody turned on him. They didn't want the maintenance. The same thing happened to Chad Ochocinco, at the end of his tenure, they didn't want the maintenance. It's a, it, to me, it's a Bengals thing. I could be wrong, but that's what happens when you have these high-volume high, uh, high players that require a lot more attention and have a lot more passion and, and express it that way. You got a Ferrari and this guy named Joe Burrow as well. And I'm going to tell you all right now, like, I, like Ace was telling me beforehand, that what he said at that press conference today Y'all better get used to it because Andy Dalton was a Honda Civic for, what, nine years, right? He was a Honda Civic, mm-hmm. and that's cool for a lot of people. That's why we clash with Dalton lovers. That's why I clash with Dalton lovers. I don't even know anything. I don't know no models about no Honda Civics. I don't know what year's a good year. I never had a Honda Civic, and that's not to say that that's not a good car. It's reliable. It can run, and you know it's going to pull up on time, and anybody could work on it. You know what I mean? But – I don't want that, you know, but that's why it takes a good garage to make sure that you got good mechanics all over because the big boys that maybe, you know, the Volkswagens of the world, maybe I don't connect with them, but I got a bunch of Willie Andersons that can connect with them big boys over there. I got a bunch of TJ Hoosmanzadas that can, you know, deliver the message over there, you know, to these different things. Sometimes teams go and get OBJs like the Giants and that are working out a Honda dealership. And they had a Ferrari sitting there the whole time, and they don't know what to do with it. They ain't got no mechanics to work on it. And then you get them in these blown-up situations, and everybody's looking at him like he's crazy. But he didn't have the right crew. And the same thing, he goes to the Browns. Who's his quarterback now? Like, he don't got the right crew. And that's the whole thing. So people got to decide, what do you want? You know, what are you trying to drive? Because right now, John Ross, whether you like Ferraris or not, is sitting in a garage. And he's and, he, and you know what people tell me online, and you were saying is why do people? Ace was telling me before, why do hate? Why do people hate John Ross so much? I don't think they hate John Ross so much. They just don't want the maintenance of a Ferrari. Like you know, what I'm saying I'm willing to go all out if I get three games. I'm gonna run the I'm gonna run the shit out the pedals of it. I'm gonna mash the gas. I'm gonna go past the cops, and you can't stop me for three, four games, and I will and I'll live with that. Because I know I got backups and Michael Thomas and, and Erickson and stuff like that. But the average Ohio citizen is not getting that concept. They, they, people pose the question to me. They say, well, I mean, it, 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 I mean, he might get hurt. I mean, you know every time. But he isn't, though. And he's sitting in the garage waiting for you to hit the, the pedal and turn the key. 
And you get no value by him sitting there. He's just getting older and shelf, and you're looking silly by trying to try to tell us that he hasn't had anything. Thank you for letting me say all of that, Ace. That was basically mm-hmm. my concept. And I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm not perfect. I might be off on some of this stuff. This is not about who's better or who's not. But that's the whole concept of you know what I was saying. Is like. I want to drive Ferraris. I want to hang out with Volkswagens. I want to hang out with everybody. But I, I do. You think about uh, Bengal sports. You think about Ohio sports. They haven't really had that many Ferraris. And the teams that get to the finish line, like when the Eagles go, I love to see the Super Bowl run that the Eagles had because their coach was a Ferrari and he was mashing the gas all every time that they need. Everybody, somebody hit the waiver wire, he was on it. Every time they needed a trade, he was on it. He ran 10 defensive line out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if y'all seen Doug Peterson's book, but it's an amazing read. I forgot the name of it, but it's amazing. But it's just going at no limit to get what you want and living with the consequences of it later. Some people love John Ross, but because it didn't work out, they fell out of favor with it. I still love that pick. I think it was one of the greatest picks in Cincinnati sports history just because of the concept. Like, we will drive Ferraris if we have to, but if you ain't going to run them, then it's a stupid it's a stupid concept, and you'll fall flat on your face. Yeah, I think um, for me, I, I, I agree. Um, clearly, I think to me, you guys know that I'm not a huge Ross guy. I, I was cool with them taking him and stuff like that. What I wasn't cool with, though, is you look at any kind of situation. Like, I think when we had Hugh Jackson on here, he talked about Darius Hayward Bay, right? Darius Hayward Bay was very similar to Ross, was a guy that was fast, was picked over Michael Crabtree, kind of shot the world. Um, and like he said, before he got there, it was pretty much everyone had given up on Darius Hayward Bay, right? And when he got there, he was able to pull a solid season out of him. And to me, I think you've seen that, whether it's John Ross, whether it's Darius Hayward Bay, whether it's Bashard Perriman, with the Ravens, like we've seen this story before, but when you look at a functioning franchise, when you give that investment, when you take that ninth pick, you have to play him in some capacity. Like when it's to the point that you're throwing in Mike Thomas and Alex Erickson, and you're only giving him one snap, even if you don't want to have Ross on the team, you didn't have a preseason. You literally have nothing on film really to show them for Ross's talent this year. So even if you wanted to trade him, you can't do that. To be in a game that you were up 21-0 and another team is coming back and you just had absolutely no plays for Ross, but you had trick plays in there. Everybody knows, even if you would have just put Ross in for an end around, the flea fickler, something, it would make sense. It would put something on tape like you could have used him to have the arrogance to not play him, not only him, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, to sit these guys completely on the bench, to me, says that you do not want to win. And to me, I think one analogy that that this always comes back to me, like when I stayed in college at FAMU, I was roommates with a guy that was a fan. He was a Philadelphia Eagles fan, right? And at the time, he was coming off of the Donovan McNabb era. They they were going to the Mike Vick era. They were kind of in the middle of that Mike Vick era right before they fell off really hard. And I'm so glad that Zim brought up Doug Peterson. And the first thing he said to me, and this was like 2011, I was hyped, right? This was like right with the AJ era and stuff like that. And you know what he said to me? He said, the standards in Cincinnati are so low that you guys are happy with simply making the playoffs. He was like, the standards in Philly, we don't like that. We're used to NFC. Like, if you don't go to the NFC championship, we're going to get you out of there. And that was when they were getting ready to get Andy Reid out of there and all of that. And at the time, I just wanted to be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, we've been through whatever. Like, we're we're celebrating this because I grew up in an era where Marvin Lewis going eight and eight, that was like the Super Bowl. So, in a sense, he was right, but I felt like, all right, we got a new team, Mike Zimmer, this defense. We got something that we can build on. And the funny thing is the Eagles started to be bad. So when the Eagles were bad, I was like ripping on him like, ah, the Eagles are trash. Like y'all fell off and this and that. And then you get to 2015. The Bengals still can't pull it off. The best year that we've ever had, we still can't pull it off. We still can't win a playoff game. 
And then look what happens. The team falls apart. The Philadelphia Eagles go out, revamp their team, go through the Chip Kelly era, go and get Doug Peterson. And the next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl and they win a Super Bowl. And the Cincinnati Bengals are still in the same position. And that sticks to me to this day. Like, we have to raise the expectations. I'm not trying to start a civil war within the Bengals community talking about Zach and this and that. But you have to you have to raise your expectations. If you weren't satisfied with Marvin Lewis, I'm not trying to say that you can't be understanding and give Zach a chance. On this same program, we gave Zach a chance when we won two games last season. We gave Zach a pass on all right. of that. We gave right. him a pass on all of that. We said, okay, give Zach a chance to get his players in, get his young quarterback. We'll see what happens. That is what's happening right now. We're seeing it happen, and we're not getting the results that we need. And the standard within the city of Cincinnati has to raise to the point where you can't just be afraid to go back to the 90s and stuff like that and just be satisfied with Hamburger Helper instead of going and getting your filet mignon and becoming a successful franchise. And you have to build that culture and it has to be about winning and you can't be afraid to push the button on the cancel the Zach Taylor era and go and get somebody else. You can't be mad to go and get a Ferrari, like Zim said, as a head coach. Yeah, Zach Taylor is going to be a young innovative mind that's cheap. That's a great value purchase that you make. Right. That's not right. that's not Publix. That's not Target, if y'all want to call Target fancy. Like, that's not that. If you really want right. to do that, you got to pay for that coach. If you want a Bill Belichick level, if you want anyone that's just an up-and-coming coach, let's just say Kyle Shanahan, if Kyle Shanahan was out on the market, you're going to have to pay him. Like You're not going to be able to get away with not spending money at that position. And, and coaching in the quarterback position, as Zim has pointed to, and having those weapons like a John Ross, guys that can only do those things in the NFL, there's a limited number of them, you have to pay for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I 100% agree. Like They, they just try to... That when people the reason I brought this out is because there are proven formulas where we have homegrown talent. Like I'm still a believer, and I know a lot of people have turned on Duke Tobin. Duke Tobin is an example of homegrown talent, uh, people within the system that I think he's overachieved at sometimes, sometimes he hasn't. You could go either way, but that's a Bengals type of concept. Like they're willing to they're willing to die with just playing paying a lesser amount and just hoping that they can walk off with results with 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 not paying the price for it and paying the price for stuff sometimes isn't just money paying the price with stuff is giving up somewhat of ownership like so so some of the people that you were talking about like the really really bright minds like Kyle Shanahan he would come in and probably remove Duke Tobin he would then also want stock into like this is 2020. Young minds are coming in and say, "I want, I want stock in this program as well. I want to know that even when I'm gone, I'm still going to see a return off of this." Like this is advanced football. Like things have taken a step up. Like coaches don't want to just be a coach. Like they want to have other different hands in the marketing they, programs. That they, they want to have different things yeah. that they could do. And the Bengals aren't going to relinquish any of that. So who do you go get? A young dude that doesn't really have any aspirations of any of that stuff I'm talking about. He's just happy as hell that he's an NFL coach and put in that position. And it's not even his fault. And I think he probably could be a good coach. He just wasn't ready at the time that he came in. And he's still not ready. And we see that every week. But they got to get out of that. People that are watching this and you're sitting there right now and you're thinking about Cincinnati sports – and I raised that question to somebody. The only, the only Ferrari that we had was Ocho Cinco. But at the end of it, and I mean, you had other players that are really, really good. But Munoz is isn't a Ferrari. He's not. He's not going to come out and demand anything. He's not going to have any antics or anything. Ocho Cinco is a Ferrari. And to this day, there's some people that I know that be like, I couldn't stand the guy. I be like, what? You know, they'd be like, man, every week, why didn't he just shut up and just play? I'm like, because everybody's not made up like that. Like, some people got a little, you know, whatever. But that was the only person. But they've never gone out and gone to go get a Ferrari either. So this all season, when they w- went out and got the DJ readers of the world and different things like that, I'm like, cool. But they still don't have the right mechanics. 
and you still got to have these these guys that you're paying top dollar for so that the whole garage is good. So we could all work together on our different ideas is, is my concept. Um, but when you do get a Ferrari or you do get a John Ross or somebody of that thing, you can't just turn your back on it when it doesn't go your way. And you can't just, uh, just push it off like, oh, well, he always gets injured. So if you get your car out of the shop that it was in the car, your, your car was in the shop last week. Now you got your car back. Y'all not driving your car this week because you think it might get because you think it might break down. Nah, I'm gonna go and run that. That same car got me seven touchdowns on 30 receptions. That same car got me 500 yards in like six, seven games with a with a with a, an app staff. Like, so people gotta they don't like that, and they don't like this concept of like. People will make mistakes. There are going to be some boomer bust players. That's why you get AJ Greens of the world who are hybrids that can balance out that locker room. You go get other guys like uh, a Tyler Boyd or or T Higgins. That's not maybe not as outspoken, and you do those things to balance it out so that maybe if John Ross isn't having a bad, if maybe he isn't having a good game, then you say, okay, well this might not be it for you, John, but I still want you involved. Watch what they're doing. Give give them a target later on in the game. See, come back to them. If you fumble, all right, John, like, we, we're going to come back to your next game. Right now, let, let's, you know what I'm saying? But when you make an investment that high, you can't give up on it because it sets your franchise back. And when people, even if you don't like the Ross pick, as much as I don't like the Billy Price pick, it sets my franchise back when you don't play them or you don't have a role for them. I've seen them run out of a big jumbo package where they brought Fred Johnson in for two snaps. If they could do that for Billy Price, I'd be just as happy. Even though y'all think that I don't like Billy Price, this, these are all investments for all of us. So you shitting on a player or saying that you, uh, he's a wash or whatever, it doesn't do anything to advance us. And that's my, that's the whole thing I want to do too. But let, let's get off of that. Zach Taylor, <laughs> you gotta get, you gotta come with something better. Do you have any of, do you have any thoughts on this past week? Um, blowing a 21 point lead that maybe Zach Taylor could come into Cleveland and talk about, uh, do you have anything that you think maybe translates or do you think any, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> I think, I think my thoughts are, it's, it's going to be hard for them to go into Cleveland and get a win based off of what I've, I've seen from the injury report. I think a lot of people and, and really it, when you were watching the game, at least when I was watching the game, the real turning point started when Joe Mixon went out of the game because they had the perfect mix between A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon was getting yards against that Colts defense, which is not easy. Like A lot of people average like two to three yards per carry. So when Joe got it going, it really got the offense going. And I also paid attention to the Inside the Jungle podcast this week, and they had Jeff Hobson on. And I think that he said something that really stuck with me is that they have gotten away from running the ball. You look at the common denominator between the past two years, they have not run the ball. It wasn't until they got Joe Mixon going last year that they actually won games. It wasn't until we got Joe Mixon rolling this year, it was in that game that we won. And I'm not a big guy that talks about correlations, but this is still the AFC North. I think Zach Taylor thinks he's in like the NFC West or something like that. And this is the AFC North. You have to be able to run the ball. And this team does not have an identity. This is two years. This is the second year. And it's crazy because I had friends that were down on Zach Taylor and they said all these things last year. And I was like, nah, give him a chance. That's not valid yet. We have to see it play out. What they were saying is true. I have to admit it. This team does not have an offensive identity. You can't tell whether they want to run the ball. You can't tell whether they want to pass the ball. It seems like Zach wants to pass the ball as much as possible. And when you have a player like Joe Mixon there, that you just handed this deal to, it makes absolutely no sense not to have him involved in the run game. And if you're going to pass it, it needs to be something like the Saints do with Kamara, but you don't do that. So from Zach Taylor, I like to see, I like seeing a lot of the creativity and stuff that he did, but with Joe Mixon being out of this game potentially, which I personally think at this point, I think he's out of this game because he's really low-key been hurt the last two games. And if if William Jackson really is in concussion protocol and he's out this game and you're going against Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Hopkins, I'm kind of worried about that. Like seeing the players that I saw on the injury report for this week with the injuries that they have, with the turmoil in the locker room that they have, 
Uh, that worries me. Like, unless Baker Mayfield honestly completely comes out and just shits the bed and like throws three picks, I'm kind of worried. Keenum. They're bringing Case. Yeah, Keenum. they can they can bring Case Keenum, but but for us he's not solid. having Joe Mixon, like Gio's my guy. I love Gio. He's one of my favorite players. We saw last week Giovanni Bernard is not Joe Mixon. Like you're not gonna get that same right. production from him. So like not having Joe Mixon, if I'm a team. If I'm the Browns and I'm not trying to give them any plans or anything like that, like I would load the box because you're not going to – you're not – well, I, I wouldn't load the box. I'm sorry. I wouldn't even play the run. Like I wouldn't play it at all, like for real, honestly, because it's not going to be in a run game. I don't think they had a uh, – you're saying if you're if you're the Browns. If I'm Cleveland, it's like y'all have yeah, no run okay. game. Without Joe Mixon, like there's no right. threat. I'm not biting on play actions. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. I'm focused right. on stopping your receivers. And I'm probably going to try to blitz blitz some people as well. After hearing you talk just now, I almost feel like you're at the crossroads, Ace. I'm Are definitely at the crossroads. I'm about, I'm just being real, bro. Like, if we don't have – like, to me, Joe Mixon is the key to this offense. I think we've seen that. Like, you have to get Joe Mixon going. When I looked at that Colts game, when we were up 21-0, if you noticed, Joe Mixon was in the game. As soon as Joe Mixon goes out the game, as soon as he gets that injury and they throw Gio in there, the run game is non-existent. They start passing. They start overthinking themselves. And then the offense just loses its steam because they couldn't balance that defense or that passing offense with the run. And when they had it, it was beautiful. Like it, they took off. They go up 24-0. And it's like – and I was talking to my cousin because he was watching. And he was like, bro, as soon as Mixon went out of the game, it's like, Everything stopped. It was like the defense automatically could just concentrate on our receivers and stuff like that and play it like that. The Colts had never seen a run game like that. Like even when they went against Cleveland the last week, which Cleveland was supposed to have a number one, like Joe Mixon was doing stuff against that defense that they had never seen. Like, And you got to remember the year last season, Joe Mixon tore them up. Joe Mixon was about to tear them up again until he got hurt. And when he left that game, and came back, even when he came back, it wasn't the same. It was like the energy was gone. Right. So if we go into uh, he had a he had a damn good first half. And somebody was talking to me the other day. I, I went back and watched it. That boy, do you do you remember this play where boy was he would have had a first down, but he backed up and then we didn't yeah, get it. I saw that. Down? Yeah. He that was back. a really that was a really big play. But also the other thing that I was saying that the key component of us losing that game, and I don't want to harp on that game too much, but it was just the – you say Zach wanted a pass. I think they really did want to run because they had a conscious effort – excuse me. They had a conscious effort of running in the football in the first half. And when I rewatched mm -hmm. it, I said, damn, they were running the football really way better than what I thought. We yes. just had a short field, had a couple other things going in the wrong way. But had we been able to establish the running game in the second half, I think a lot of stuff wouldn't have happened. And I think you would have limited, at the very least, the opportunity of Phillip Rivers. And that was the, you know, the one thing that I thought was the the biggest problem, like, of that game. But when I was asking you, were you at the crossroads? Mm -hmm. The crossroads is where we were last year. And we got to this point where we stopped wanting them to win football. You right. almost sound like if Joe Mixon doesn't play, William Jackson doesn't play, you're mm -hmm. pretty much conceding that you think that it's an L. In my, in I'm just, my I just have always just been real. Like, I don't want to lose. Like, in the but case of the Andy Dalton situation, I wanted to lose because I wanted a new quarterback. Like, now we've got Joe. So, right now, I don't right, want to so lose. Like, but, I don't, now, I don't but, see us. Hold on, hold on. I don't see us um, having a worse record than the Jets. Like, the Jets are going 0 16. Let's just be real. The Giants, they're probably going to finish before us. The Jaguars, like, so. I'm not really benefiting from a top five pick. So, no, I don't want to lose. But if I, so? that, if I see that, you said what? You don't think I don't you want to, benefit I don't want to lose. But if I'm looking at going into uh, this game without Joe Mixon and William Jackson the third, yeah, we're going to lose. Like we saw what LaShawn Sims did last week. We saw what Darius Phillips did. You got Odell Beckham Jr., you got Jarvis Landry. Like Odell Beckham Jr., last game, I think did that against William Jackson the third. So, I mean, if you put Darius Phillips on OBJ, I mean, 
it's just like us saying, like, our defense is going to stop Lamar Jackson. It's just as a wide receiver. So for me, like, I can't definitively say without us having our best, potentially best offensive player outside of Joe Burrow, that we're going to just come in and and beat the Browns. That's a four and two team that has a coaching staff that is more competent than ours, that we don't have two major stars on our lineup. I don't know. I can't definitively say, like, we're going to beat the Browns. All right, let me rephrase the question. Right, if we if we play the Steelers today, would you say that we're going to beat the Steelers? I would no, not. No, like, and I hate no. the Steelers. But, but let me rephrase the question. This is what I'm asking right. you. I, I I'm not asking you. Are you going? Are do you think that we're going to beat the Browns? I'm I don't want to lose. No, I don't want to lose. All right, all right, all right. I do not want to keep losing. I want to win. All right, that that's the main thing because I'm gonna tell you this. You say there's a lot of people that, and this is the reason why I asked you the question. And somebody might have said it earlier in the chat. If you want the right, if everybody wants this guy, Pense Sewell or whatever this dude's uh, name is, the right. tackle, you got to get in the top five. Like people that are posting that, somebody just tagged me in a photo with a Photoshop of him in a Bengals yeah, jersey. That, that's not happening. <laughs> if anybody wants him, go tell your friends, you got to only win two or three games this year. That's the only I way you're going to get him because he's the I best tackle, like, period, right? So right. that's what I'm asking you. Are you at the crossroads where, because if you win five games or so, you're going to be picking like 12, 13. It's, it's, a, it's, a, rough, it's a rough place to be at. So right. at some point, you got to take that. Like we did. We got to the crossroads. We got to November of last year where we mm-hmm. were in tank mode. Right. And yeah. At I some point, it. you got to say, are you t- are, do you want to tank or are you – from from that standpoint, from from my standpoint on that was, you're going after a quarterback, a premium position, right? Like maybe if you needed a cornerback, maybe if you needed an edge rusher, maybe if you needed a quarterback, like instant impact guys that are gonna change your team. Not to say that Penny couldn't change it, but there's not Penny doesn't swing the pendulum for me. Whereas we could try to go out and sign a free agent tackle that's already established. Let's, like it's not say, gonna be that say, much different. But when you talk about not in draft mode yet, but say somebody starts showing you a whole bunch of stuff and he's ruining people, and let's say he's like um what's the Quentin Nelson of left tackles, then would you jump in the tank? Nah, mode? nah. I mean, I don't I just don't think that you like you're looking at 10 teams right now. Nine out of ten teams have one win. Like it's bad around the NFL. Like you're not getting in the top five if you win five games. I think that you're probably, like you said, twelve or something like that. There's a lot of bad teams: Atlanta, the Giants, Jacksonville, Minnesota. Like no, it's it's not number nine and drafted another John Ross. Right, (laughs) and it's like whoever gets in that top pick. Like even if the Jets get number one, right, which I think they will. I think they're going zero and sixteen. They're probably going to pick another quarterback. They're going to go out and get the the kid from Clemson and stuff like that. Like Penny to me, like, yes, he may be great in this and that. We don't we don't know for sure if he is like if there is a guy out there, like, let's just say for lack of a better example, I'm not saying that this is real, but let's just say hypothetically Tyron Smith is out there as a free agent. Are you really going to try to pick Penny instead of taking him? I'm taking Tyron Smith because he's a Pro Bowl tackle and I know what I'm going to get. Like right. you you can't really guarantee that a lineman is just going to be a stud off the rip. Like you might get lucky here and there, but look at the look at the Giants right now. Then they pick Andrew Thomas, then they pick him in the top 5. Right. He hasn't played like it. But then the Bucks went out or the Browns went out and got their guy and he's playing better than him. So like to me it's a crap shoot for a lineman. Nah, I'm not willing to to just concede the season. I want to yeah. see some wins. For the me, only thing me. that would make me say if we lose, we get rid of Zach Taylor and we're going to bring in a good coach, maybe. But, nah, I want to actually yeah, win. That, I don't want to lose. Part. That's the scary part about winning with Zach Taylor is I think that the the Honda Civics, the Dalton, <laughs> Love, the Dalton lovers of the world, that will be enough for them. And that's right. the scary part for me is that they will win the, five, six games and they will see the stability in that and say, you know what? There's curry over for that. And I'll be like, nah, I've already seen enough. Like, we all know. If you sitting here right now watching this show mm-hmm. and you think in the back of your mind Zach Taylor is, is going to wake up tomorrow, the day after that, and be some genius-level coach, and he's shown us how he has not already, it mm-hmm. don't happen that way. I'm here to tell you. He might be a great coordinator further down the line, whatever. He might be a better head coach down the line, right? But as of right now, in this very moment, these next couple of years, he will not win you a ring. And we all know that. 
So you got to identify, are you just trying to go to the playoffs? Or are you just are you trying to get a ring? Because I do think eventually if they stuck with him and Joe Burrow's there and then they address free agency the same way they did this all season or whatever, I think right. he would. He he would take you to the playoffs. But he ain't going to out-coach Harbaugh, Andy right. Reid, Belichick, none of them. None right. of them. And if you've been real, you need, to, you need to say, yeah, like, get him you know about what? it. You know what really scares me? What? The worst thing that we could do is lose all of these games. Let's say Penny goes early and they take – and I've been hearing this. They take Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is not like we got to protect Joe Burrow. We can't go out there and grab another receiver. I've already been hearing people say, let's let A.J. Walk and get another receiver. And that's really just like I've taking ripping Waddle. the Band-Aid off. Yeah, Waddle, like, no, I'm not Waddle. doing that. Like, I don't – and I told people this the year that we picked John Ross. It was nothing against John Ross. I was telling people – we didn't have anybody to replace Big Wit. I was like, we got Cedric Oguehi, which we know is trash. And I told my man Moody this, and he can vouch for it. I said, we got Cedric Oguehi that we know is trash. Jake Fisher that is trash. And this was when people was talking about Mike Williams, John Ross. It was right before that. And I was like, bro, we literally don't have an offensive line. It doesn't matter if you had Randy Moss there. Like, the quarterback's never going to be able to get the ball to him if you don't get him a tackle or something there. Right. We didn't do it. We went and got John Ross. And honestly, the biggest reason that John Ross, this offense period, has not worked is because they don't have people to block long enough for them to be able to right. make their routes right. and stuff like that. Like if right. John Ross goes to the Chiefs, he's taking off. If he goes to the Eagles, he's taking off. If he goes go anywhere else go outside of the Bengals, taking off. He, he goes anywhere, he's taking off because those teams have invested in their offensive line. They have people there that know what they're doing and will have the line – um, stay strong enough for them to be able to compete these plays. And I think that that's where Bengals fans are missing. The point is we need to drive offensive linemen. We got to protect Joe Burrow. Like, look at what the Colts did. The Colts literally spent most of their draft capital protecting that because when Andrew Luck was there, they didn't do that. And as a result of that, he got beat up. Yeah, they went to the playoffs. Yeah, they won some games. But Andrew Luck was supposed to win a Super Bowl, especially coming off of what they did there. And they waited too late to invest in the line. The Bengals are really Andrew Luck in this situation. I'm not saying to not be able to go out and get a wide receiver later, but you got to at least spend one or two picks on that line. One has to be a guard. One has to be a right tackle. You got to shore those up. Or whether you deal with that in free agency, whatever you got to do, get the foundation right and then get the rest of the pieces right. With that said, I do think that there's a chance that John Ross could be traded to Philadelphia. That's just what kind of makes sense to me, Philadelphia, no receivers right now. They just did something where they made Fletcher Cox restructure his deal. That could be to allow them to take on John Ross's contract. To me, you just got to get that kid a chance. Like, he's going to leave here. All of you guys that are doubting him, I'm not the biggest Ross fan. I'm just telling you as a logical football fan, he has I'm talent. He has speed. You put him in an offense where they're doing that. Like, you send him to the Arizona Cardinals, he's going to take off. It's going to happen, and then you're going to be upset, and then you're going to be like, why didn't we do that? That's right. what's going to happen. But, but I it, think but that he gets certain, traded. It's certain players that I, I think work, and it's certain players that don't. If I'm matching it up with the personality of – I listen to you all. The people that are here tonight, I appreciate you more than anything because outside – in my bubble, like I'm all like around the people that I'm – I live a very fast life. So a lot of the concepts and things that people tell me or whatever – like, I'd be like, oh, okay, whoa. Like, that's why John Ross pick is, like, big. Like, I love the pick because it's like, let's mash the gas. Let's go crazy, right? But I learned a lesson in, in life with that is that, like Ace just said, you have to block. You have to be able to have – you have to win the trenches. You got to understand where are we. We're in the AFC North. Like, the Browns are 4-2 right now because even in the offseason, if it ain't they, – they did so much. Between them and the Bills – they did everything in, in the draft and the free agency to go bulk up their line and do it on the defensive side and free agency with Sheldon Richardson, people like that, Olivier Vernier, all these people like that, that they bulked up the trenches. You look at our trenches, I think we did the same thing in defense, right? But it's just so crazy that we got six starting defensive linemen that are just hurt, and people just kind of disregard that part. And that's a big factor in this whole thing. But moving forward, 
They just, they, we got to put it all together, though. I just want people to understand that if you go get, like, a flashy player or something like that, there's a little bit more that, that comes with it sometimes. And y'all got to be open to it because if you're not, you're going to be on some Marvin Lewis stuff and just ruin this dude's mind. Like, and yeah, I'm a, I don't, and, I don't and, want you to be ruined. And, and, and the reason why I said that is because of that. I, all right, listen. The reason why I love Joe Burrow as much as I do, and a lot of y'all might not be paying attention to the, some of the stuff that I show now, but I showed it on Twitter. I showed it on the gram. What's the first thing Joe Burrow did when he signed? Right, he went and got a chain. You know who? You know you know me. I like chains. I like ice. I like big houses. Like I want I want cool stuff. Right. People that have that type of like he has other aspirations, I believe, outside of football. He has other demands that he wants. He's not he's he is from Ohio, but he's not like, you know, like with his mindset, he will roll out on you like Hugh Jackson. When we did the Hugh Jackson interview, you know, y'all got to understand the makeup of, of, of people that don't think like everybody that's in your neighborhood. I don't think like a lot of people that we engage with every single day. Joe Burrow and me, I feel like I'm connected with him. We listen to the same music. We have, I like I like his car choices. I like his suit choices, different things like that. Those things kind of matter. When he comes to a press conference and says some of that stuff, imagine if this three years from now and maybe they aren't and they aren't winning and we're past the honeymoon stage. You got to mm-hmm. understand this is a dog right here. Like, he's going to say some stuff that maybe you ain't ready for. Dalton's going to come out there and say every single generic thing known to man, and he's just going to play football, and then he's going to go to Bible study. And for a lot of people, that's what they want from their football player. This guy is going to be demanding people. He's going to be demanding results. He's going to be on people's neck. He might say some stuff that you don't like. He might have new chains that you don't like. He might do a lot of different things that are outside the bubble that you live in right now. And don't be surprised we get past this honeymoon stage and say we aren't winning, and he comes and he starts calling out people. Understand who this guy is. And the only reason why he's doing it is because he's super passionate about winning. And it, it has nothing else involved with it. Just because we don't have the same taste doesn't mean that we can't work together. He has a different taste than what you're accustomed to. And I'm, I'm giving y'all that warning right now. You're going to see him at parties. You're going to see him on yachts. You're going to see him with rappers. You're going to see him doing a lot of stuff that number 14 never did. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't like football. That doesn't mean that he doesn't love Ohio. It doesn't mean any of that. He has a different mindset than what you're accustomed to. So you better be ready for that. And part of that is if you don't give him what he wants the same way I am throughout my day, if you don't give me what I want in this battlefield that I'm living in life right now, I will move you right out the way and I'll keep on going on my same path because I will get to the finish line. Some people aren't that demonstrative. Some people aren't that aggressive. Andy Dalton was never that aggressive. But the one thing that it does, it makes everybody on their, on their, on their, on their, on their toes. Like people that are next mm-hmm. to him, guys that are blocking are going to be saying, I don't want Joe calling me out. I don't want to be the person that uh, is the person that got Joe hurt. I don't want to be the part. Like, he's going to be, he's going to, like, say they lose this whole season. He will call out Zach Taylor. He will name a bunch of I different stuff. I think he kind of did. Like, I, I, I'm going to say that he's, he kind of did he, on the he, low. He like, when he, when he's, he's not, in the, he's different. In, the, I'm trying. in that press conference where he was like, you know, I wanted to score, but we wanted to kick field goals all the rest of the game. I thought that was kind of a shot at Zach. That's the way I took it, because. Zach chose to do the field goal thing. And, and it might be because this is what's going to happen. At the end of the day, he wants to win more than probably most of you. Y- most of, a lot of people been fans. He ain't even a Bengals fan. Most of the people that's probably in here right now, most of the people listening right now, been a Bengals fan longer than him. But he wants to win way more than you. And that's a, that's a crazy pill to swallow. This guy is playing for your franchise, and you better give him what he wants, and you better not try to say, Oh, because he went to a party, he lost the game or whatever. He's just built different, and he's going to outwork everybody, and he's going to back that shit up. But at the same time, you better give him what he wants. Let's get into some of these questions, Ace. 
Did you have any other thoughts on that before we get into these questions? Only, the I, only other thing I want to say is a lot of I heard somebody say economics and stuff like that. Like I have my MBA. The Bengals can do what they need to do to still survive in Cincinnati. Like if they build a contender that this city will support, they will have absolutely no problem with doing that because Ohio is in Cincinnati more in general. You know, that's where you got J.P. Morgan. You have all of these established businesses in Cincinnati. People in Cincinnati make money. So if they want to support the team, they can support the team. So if they put out a competitive team out there on the field or not, obviously it's a family-owned organization and all of that. We know that. But he has to make an investment that will set this city on fire. Because just imagine if the Bengals go to the playoffs and win a game. Do you understand where their footprint is? It spans past Cincinnati. I live in Florida now. I see Bengals fans all the time. Zim lives in D.C. He sees Bengals fans out there. I mean, he's a Bengals fan himself. You go on the West Coast, there's Bengals fans. Like, there's Bengals fans all over here, and it's just growing because of Joe Burrow. And when you have personalities and Ferraris like that, a lot of people were introduced for the Bengals by Chad Johnson. Like, just imagine a whole era that – right happening like you will constantly get coverage on espn if joe burrow is playing good and the Bengals are winning they will be on tv literally every single day right nobody knew about the new england patriots really like that until they started winning they're not in the biggest market they're not in new york they're not in chicago they're not in la but they win and that's what you need to do in order to get to that level right all right we got a lot of people in here. Shout out to Josiah, uh, Josiah Hernandez. He said he's in Oregon. I said Oregon. I've been drinking some special tea, so uh, bear with me, people. Uh, that's KJ. <laughs> he's from New Jersey. Uh, IMJL says he's uh, he's live in California. I think Ross needs to go to Cali for real. That's That was my thought. I could see that. I could see him going out Cali there. boy, get him comfortable. San Francisco whatever. would, yeah. I could see that's him why, there. That's why I said 49ers. And you got a genius coach. He's smart as hell. I think it works. Uh, let's go. Nandan says, how long until we fire Zach Taylor, Ace? How long until we fire Zach Taylor? So from what I heard um, with Jeff Hobson yesterday on his interview on Inside the Jungle, he said, whenever we know, we'll know. Uh, I think for me, I feel like Mike Brown may give him the end of the season. But if Joe Burrow go, I think the Steelers game, mark that. Mark that game down. I know a lot of people talk about how Mike Brown hates the Browns, and he does because of the ownership and the history. But if Joe Burrow goes out and gets sacked in the Steelers game like 10 times or gets hurt, something like that, Zach Taylor's gone. So I think I think within these next four weeks, and excluding the bye from that, this stretch will determine how long he's, he's there. I'd probably say it's a 60-40% I probably say it's a 40, 60% chance that he's fired during the season. Um, right now, I'm leaning towards the 60, but if Joe Burrow gets hurt, oh, that's probably 98. He's out of there. Okay. I, I mean, I second that. I think I was telling you this. If they had a two-loss stretch, I think his seat is super hot, and I said that right before the Colts game because Mike Brown does not like losing to the Browns. Now, if it's a, a, a close game, that's one thing, but I really feel like his seat's is like on fire if they get blown out by the Browns. Like if the Browns come and dog us by like 20 something points, I think like <laughs> yeah. I think I feel like that's gonna be the whole entire press conference because yeah, I just think that's the whole thing. But I but like you said, the Steelers game, I don't know if that's a great measuring stick because they're so good. I I think losing to a team that Mike Brown doesn't like, like the Browns. He absolutely wants to kill the Browns every single time we play them. Oh, definitely. Or, or like getting embarrassed by a team that's like, say we play the Giants or the Redskins or something like that, and then we like lose bad. Whew. I think I think something like that is the only way you can see him getting fired in season. Mm-hmm. Um, Nandon also says, also should we build our line through free agency or the draft? I think you got to do a mix of both. I think from the right tackle position, you go out and you get someone that is an established veteran. I wanted Jack Conklin last year. Find someone like that and go ahead and sign him to a deal because it solidifies your line. Uh, when it comes to the guard, the Bengals historically don't like paying guards. So go in the draft and get you one. And a guard is – you can get a good guard in the second to third round. Like, you can get one. You need two guards. Yeah, I agree. You definitely need two guards. So maybe you do sign one in free agency. Larry Warford, I mean, we've talked about it. 
he lives around this area. I think it, it's got to be a couple different things. If you're drafting in the top 10, then yes, let's go get our go get the tackle. If it is Penny, right? Somebody like that. If you're top five, then you could go do that. But outside of that, if we're talking about losing uh, AJ Green off the books, potentially Geno Atkins, Dunlap, guys like that, Geo gets you like four million off the books. Like you got a bunch of guys. I saw a figure where somebody was showing he had like sixty seven thousand in cap space. It would put you in a position million. to sign to sign. To sign absolutely the best tackle on the market. Aside from that, you go to the draft and you draft three offensive linemen. I don't care if the other two are seven, six round death pieces or whatever. You come to training camp at an all out war, but you have to go to second round, third round, something like that to get like a guard. You're not going to get too many tackles that are ready for the NFL, like right off, like so. Just understand that when you go to look at the tackle position, it's going to be looking at developmental pieces and people like a Denigy that you're banking on like later on, like converting over or something like that later in the draft. But early on, if y'all talking about starting offense alignment, you're you're talking like top five, top ten. Once you get out of that, you get those dicey guys that could be day one slash day two guys and all that crap like that. So to me, they got to do it like the Bills and the Browns did. Go heavy, heavy offensive line. Go get three in the draft. Go top, go sign the top tackle out there, and then probably sign an undrafted free agent. Like you're gonna go to the, you're gonna go to OTAs and have like an all-out war with all of these guys. And guards and free agency aren't that high compared to what you would be paying for the ta- for the tackle position in the open market. So they got to mm-hmm. go against the grain. Uh, which you were just saying, like they normally don't do that uh, from the guard position. They normally don't sign DJ readers of the world, so they need to go out and go sign the DJ reader in the guard position, which will probably run you about eight, nine, ten million dollars per. And if if you were to say that in the off season right now, coming into this year, everybody say, hell yeah, that's a no brainer, give it to me. But at the time, it didn't seem like a big deal, so they went and got Xavier Sula Field, who I who I did like, but. It's not Larry enough. Warfare should have been signed over him. Like, it's not enough impact. Real. They right. should have signed Larry Warfare. Like the key is to me is it is to get multiple, and I'm a, a yeah. big proponent of getting like extra depth at all of these different positions so you have options. Not Facts. getting depth depth pieces so Sean Williams of the world can be pissed at you because you're not <laughs> playing them. Like right. I'm talking about like guys that really like want to battle it out and. And it's a team effort thing, not miscommunication. Guys thinking that they're going to have a bigger role, and then you bring them on, and then you give them ten snaps. That's right. not that's that's not the same thing. All right, next question. Uh, Few says the quote of the season is "Don't waste talent." Uh, Andrew Seiler says, "I hope I said that right." Andrew or Sealer um, says, "Do you think Zach Job will be on Jeopardy next week if the Browns blow us out at home?" I kind of answered that one. Um, we need Nandan also says we need to sign Quentin Spain. Ace did a, a video earlier today on New Stripe City's YouTube, so please check that out and get his thoughts on Quentin Spain. Uh, someone asked later on in here, uh, what is Spain's PFF grade? That was Blake Poland. It is slightly higher than Redmond and it's slightly higher than Michael Jordan, so it is an upgrade. This year hasn't been as good as his past, but believe me, people, it is an upgrade. But I will tell you this. I think the staff says, no, we got our guys every, like, what did the what did, what did he, Jim Turner say a couple weeks ago? Oh, we got all of our answers in-house. So people <laughs> thinking that Spain is going to come across your screen with the da-na-na, da-na-na, I don't nope. think so. Don't but, but in all actuality, they should. Um, I just think that they're preaching this this whole thing of cohesion, but they're the, the most non-cohesive guard tandem in the whole national football league so it doesn't even make sense do you have any other thoughts like if people don't check out your video on spain that you no nah, it was i just i don't think that they'll do it i think that they should do it but the fact that he was cut i think means that they would have to claim him and, and pay some of that money which they're not gonna do and then if you're him like coming from a team that was on the route to the playoffs and now you have your choice of picking a team why would you go to a one four and one team and he probably knows Cordy right. Glenn probably talked about Jim Turner with Cordy Glenn he's probably not going there guys don't get your <laughs> right. hopes up right I just don't I, and part of me wants to see Zach and his crew 
run with their I, 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 I said this in our last time that we had a show is that I want to evaluate all of the players because not playing our the current guys right now, part of me just wants them to maybe just fail with some of the players that they believe in so that we could just move them out the way if they fell on their, if they fall on their face. If you go and bring in all these like somebody new, and then you're battling it out a little bit at practice or something like that. I think it leaves like a little bit of doubt or it, it it brings it so that next year that some of these guys still hang on. I think we've seen the last of like Sean Williams and uh, some of these other guys just because by the time a new staff comes on, there's nothing on tape is what I was saying last week. And I, I it's so we many thoughts. Any, we have any more, uh, <laughs> that was any more questions you. that they got? Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 go through these really quick because we gotta wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Blake Poland said these car analogies are great. I appreciate that, Blake. Uh, Rogue Gray says Marvin Lewis was a better coach. Um, the team would be five and one right now. I don't agree with that. Uh, do you think? Uh, do you <laughs> think? Do you think? Do you guys think Zach Taylor will be fired during? Roe has the best comment of the night. Why didn't we trade a six-round pick for Trent Williams? <laughs> didn't Trent get traded for like a third or fourth or something like that? I think it was a six, bro. I don't think he's wrong on that. I think it, it was like no a six. It was low. It was super yeah, low. It was, it was like a. It was it was super low. I'm gonna fact check it right now. I appreciate you guys for hanging. Fifth round pick. Fifth round pick. That's nothing. Who do we pick Uh, in the fifth round this year? Y'all can't even say who we picked in the fifth round year. Was it a dingy? Oh hell no, dingy because Bailey was nothing against a dingy. Not not taking a shot at him or anything, but Trent Williams, Pro Bowl. Like man, Jay Kuda Paul, Jay says Duke Tobin has drafted a ton of busts since 2015. Yes, um, don't say it though. Landon McLeod says one day I will be rich enough to buy the Bengals and make us all one big happy fan base. So if you all want to just donate money to Landon McLeod so he can buy the Bengals, go right ahead. Um. Rom- Romeo oh, Khalid Cal- Kareem. Nah, nah, nah. We got to keep my boy. Nah, that's my boy. It was. Nah, nice. I, I believe in I look, him. I think, he's I been think flashing. I, I, he's been flat. I'm not just saying that because we brought him on. That's right. my boy, but he's been flashing. Like, I was going back and doing some film review. Like, he's been, he's been so close to getting sacks. And that's one thing that pisses me off. Why are y'all playing Armani Bledsoe over him? Like, if you're not going to play Dunlap, you need to play Khalid Kareem. There's no reason that Armani Bledsoe should be getting more snaps than Khalil Kareem. So, yeah, definitely Khalil Kareem. IMJO says, who do y'all want coaching our Ferrari? Who is your coach that you want to choose? The Ferrari he's talking about, I think he's talking about Joe Burrow. Who is our Ferrari? I think it's definitely Joe Burrow. No, no, no. Um, I'm saying his question is, who do you want coaching? Who, If you could have any – If I could have any coach coaching him – who would it be? That's a great question. Once he said that, immediately people started saying who I thought you were going to say. I like people are going to hate me for this, and that's cool. I would go and get Jim Harbaugh because Jim Harbaugh took the 49ers to the Super Bowl, and then when they got rid of him, like they completely crashed and burned. I but would I would go that. and get Jim Harbaugh. He was Andrew Luck's I coach. I would love that. Joe Burrow, go and get Jim Harbaugh. I, I would, would do love it. that. that I mean, what did Jim Harbaugh do? the greatest thing I've heard all to get day. Fired? <laughs> what did Jim I'm, Harbaugh do to get fired? He had Harbaugh with the GM. That's it. You, you know he what's so crazy? Three years ago, I don't know if you guys check out Daddy O McDuck. I went on his show and we were talking about the search for like hires or something like that. This was like, this is a year before Marvin Lewis got fired. Mm-hmm. I think Jim Harbaugh, they, 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 they were, I mean, I'm sorry, Jim, right? No, yeah, John. Jim Harbaugh. John right, is Jim. the Ravens one. Yeah, Jim, right, Jim, Jim was having a hard time in Michigan. They were giving him a, a hard time, whatever. And I was like, that was I, – I, I was like, man, that's the pick. We did a whole show about him and everything. I, I, I totally forgot about him. He would be so amazing. amazing. See, see, people like Eric Bieniemy is a great messenger because that came up next. 
Right. Is a great messenger to to to. He has a common ground with the players he plays. I would love. Before. I would love him. They but you just don't him. know. Like, right. I don't know about him. Like the more and more I like watch him, and I watched the Chiefs game the other day, and like just saw him on the sideline and stuff like that. The more and more I learn about him, the more and more it makes me be like, I don't know if that's a clear cut like candidate. It sounds good, just like uh uh, what's the uh, Joe Brady, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds good. And I can't even really see it, you know, but it, I don't know. Like you said, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh be, from Ohio, from Toledo, Ohio, right, Joe right, Burrow right. from Ohio. He said, what about, what about Lincoln Riley? Somebody said, nah, what about Lincoln Riley? Nah, I, I mean, Lincoln I'm not Riley, big on I'm not college, mad at I'm, it. I'm not big on yeah, college I'm on that. coming fresh out. Yeah, Like, nah. I'm, I'm not. Unless, That's like um, Zach Taylor 2.0, kind of. It's kind of Cliff Kingsbury. Nah, nah. It's kind of it's kind of Cliff ish Yeah. Um, but nah, I don't I don't think like see the the problem is he knew he knew Kyler Murray before he got the job, so he picked him. Kyler's his guy. He's riding with him, right? Like that's just college. Like think about what AJ said when Joe Burrow got drafted. He was like before he got drafted, he was like, yeah, he's dominating there, but that's college. Like, NFL players, NFL veterans that are in the league, they're not going to really respect college coaches like that. Harbaugh has already proven at the next level that he can get to the Super Bowl and stuff like that. So he's going to command a ton of respect from these guys. And I think the last thing that you want to do is bring another guy in, like a Lincoln Riley or Joe Burrows. Joe Burrows coach that went to the Panthers. I can't recall his name. You guys will probably say it in the chat. I don't think you should do should go that route. I think, like Zim said, not the college coach route. Go and get somebody established. Go get Jim Harbaugh. For Ooh. for me, I'm gonna tell you that somebody I forgot. Somebody might have told me this a couple years ago or something like that. It might have been Daddy O as well. But the one thing that the Bengals need to do is you could sell me on Volkswagens and Civics and stuff like that all day, and you could go do it. Like I go look, I study. Um, one of my other good teams that I, I really, really like is the uh, the John Gruden Buccaneers. You could sell me on a bunch of, like, Subarus, Volvos, and all that stuff like that if you get people in the leadership pro. Like, like Tobin would have to go in the format that I'm saying, is that you have to build Parcells the situation. Everywhere that Bill Parcells goes, he comes in and does a complete overhaul of everything in the whole entire building. And it equates to wins everywhere he goes. Go look it up. It has to be somebody like that that's trusted. Like if Joe Gibbs came and said, these are all of my guys, and I want to do it this way, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to run the football. We're going to do this, or we're going to run this scheme, and this is it. Kind of eluding, like kind of going hand in hand what you were saying earlier in the program is that you just need a personality that knows how to formulate culture and not come to a podium and just say it. Like you got to have somebody that really has done it by winning Super Bowls, that knows what it takes to do it, and doesn't it, it because and it has to kind of go hand in hand with the personalities of the city and stuff like that. I don't think the fans John Ross could go for a thousand yards, but if he got hurt tomorrow. It just doesn't work with the city, like that type of player. I think the new coach has to be somebody like like a like a Jim Harbaugh that comes in with his own approach and it's really like everybody just trusts his decision making and it has to go all the way from the top to the bottom. But Mike Brown isn't gonna ever give us that. He's never gonna give us a situation where he's just I'm talking I'm talking about Bill Parcells will fire like the whole lunch lady in that thing. Like when they right, come, right. when he comes in, the Giants, when he came in there, whatever, everything must go. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like that type of guy. And that's the only way the culture could change. The other thing that can that can swing a culture is at the quarterback position, the most important position. And it starts with him. And it starts with his demands. And that's why I said in his four-year tenure, the fans gotta understand he's gonna have a different voice. And you better be behind him. His contract is about to expire. This is Bengals. Who? Jim Harbaugh's contract is expiring at the end of this season. So we're uh, so we look. Hold up. This is what everybody, you want to do. You can't everybody afford Everybody here. We did the Harbaugh stuff. Everybody out there in Twitter world, y'all all screaming Eric Bieniemy. Me and Ace, the first people 
on the hardball train. If you knock two birds out with one stone, I'm talking to you right now. If you just so happen to hear this, knock two birds out with one stone. Get Harbaugh, let him be the DM, the de facto GM, and the coach. Saves you two for one. Don't have to pay a whole nother GM or any of that. Two for one. Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh. You know what's so crazy about him? He is crazy as hell. You ever heard him at like a press conference and stuff? I love that guy. Could you imagine like a hard knocks with Jim Harbaugh, Joe Burrow, like this team? Like, bro. Woo! Woo! All right, all right. Well, all right. We we almost out of here, guys. I think we I think we've done enough. Uh, somebody said, "Where do you draft a corner? How do you feel about the cornerback?" Let's. That's the last question I'm gonna answer in here. What do you feel about that, Ace? What do? You, how do you want? To, what are you looking at the cornerback position? Do you have faith in Trey Wayne's coming up? I'm not gonna speak on Trey Wayne's without without seeing him. I've talked to just casual football fans. They are not the biggest fans of Trey Wayne's. We'll have to see. Like maybe it might have been. I can't see that though. Like he played under Zimmer. Like we all know Zimmer coached Dion, so couldn't play like that under Zimmer. I don't really have. We'll we'll just have to see. Like I, I'm not mad at him being the number two corner, but if you're telling me that William Jackson the third is gonna leave and he's gonna be your number one corner, then I have an issue with that. But we'll see. We'll see what, what it is. Um, if that is the case, if their plan is to try to go after a certain or Patrick Sertan's son or something like that next year, I think that, that would be a mistake. I think that you should retain William Jackson the third, but we'll see what Trey Waynes has if he makes it back. I don't think he's making it back this season, but we'll see. I'm with it. So, thank you very much for checking us out, people. Please hit the subscribe button on this uh, bad boy here. I appreciate you every day of your lives more than you could think of. If you have friends and uh, people around you that are telling you, hey, you shouldn't be a Bengals fan because you didn't tell them to eat shit and tell them Zim said it. And um, that's all I want to say in the cluster. <laughs> it's like, no. Just, uh, but I want to applaud everybody for sticking sticking through this thing, honestly, because... This is going to be a rough season, but I don't think it lasts long because we got number nine at the helm. Ace, you got any closing thoughts that you want to say? Nah, don't let your Ohio State fanship like make you think that Jim Harbaugh is not a good coach when he went to a Super Bowl. Like, I don't want to hear that. Don't but make you, you don't guys. make your Ohio State fandom think that Billy Price is not a bust over John Ross. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you guys for for rocking with us. We appreciate all the support. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you guys again. Hoo!